There is a notion, I would love for you to chime in on that. It's almost a cliche, but it's a good question to ask these days. Some early theories of leadership in the literature say that leaders are born, not made. And obviously, there's a counter theory that no, leaders are not born, they are made. What do you think? Is there something innate when you were a little girl, Betsy, and you were looking around at all these adults, some of them had that thing called leadership and others did not. Were the people born with that or their professional as a trajectory made them that way? I think we evolve as human beings because we all come into this world with a blank slate, right? And we have personalities. So I was always a huge extrovert. That was helpful to me, but some of the best leaders are introverts, right? But our leadership is tied to our story of who we are. You know, so for me, I became very interested in leadership for two things. I saw my father was very, very interested in leadership. He was a test pilot who became a big executive at Lockheed and he read every leadership book. And so he's the first person who turned me on to people like Tom Peters back in the 80s, you know, in search of excellence. And my mother went back. She was a stay-at-home mom, had dropped out of college at 19, married my dad, had three little babies before she was 23. And when I was a teenager, she went back to school, finished her degree, got her master's in psychology and started teaching women's re-entry programs at a college nearby. So those are my two, for me growing up, I was awakened particularly to the women's. I watched my mother transform her role in the family and step into this leadership role. And she was so happy. She kind of stepped into her authenticity. And this was kind of the, in the Gloria Steinem times, you know, where women were stepping out and stepping up. So that awakened me and in my interest in, oh, that's really interesting. And then I just kind of gravitated towards anything that was women's leadership in the beginning. I think as leaders like Bill George's work on True North, and he interviewed 100 leaders from 18 to 93 to find out, well, how did you get into that role? And what was your story and your evolution and your self-knowledge awareness? So I think leadership is a journey. And also, I don't think you ever get there because you get into these roles and you always have to keep evolving and assessing and growing as a person. And so, you know, are you a leader that's always open to growth? Do you have a growth mindset as a human being? I always thought by the time I was 30 or 40, oh, I'd have it all figured out. And we realized, wow, maybe we never have it all figured out because you're always growing. And just what we were talking about, David, before, which you mentioned so beautifully, which was, wait a minute, I've been a leader and all of a sudden there's a new generation that doesn't respond the way it responded to the old leadership model of do as I say or else. So now as a leader, if you're in your 50s or 60s or 70s, you're like, oh, I need to really shift how I was showing up before, right? So I don't think you ever have it figured out. You need to ebb and flow and grow in your leadership. For me, I never thought I will be a leader because first of all, I defined it differently than how I am today. So I held myself against the standard that I was never going to be able to meet. I was never be able to be the polished executive that I saw on the screen. And I evolved into who I am today. And to be honest, until today, when I wake up in the morning, I remind myself that there's 140 people in my company that could have worked somewhere else, could have reported to somebody else, but they chose to work for my company. I am fortunate for that. I need to remind myself that actually I work for them as much as they work for me and be very humble in how I interpret leadership. Never show up and expect that just because you are the senior executive in this company, you could talk to people in a certain way. You could expect them to react to you 
as if you're God, you're not. You're a human being who was selected not only by your board, by the people who work for you. When they came to work for my company, they selected me indirectly to work for, and I need to remind myself that I cannot take that for granted. I need to be very careful in how I manage them and how I give them the opportunity to really discover on their own what they are able to do and not necessarily try and micromanage them and push them in a way that I believe is the right way. So for me, to be a leader was an evolution. It's something that I still don't believe that I'm doing it. And I frankly will keep reminding myself up until the last day where I'm no longer leading people that I'm just a human being like everyone else. I was elected to be on top of a artificial org chart that somebody created. But in the end, we're all born equal. We all die in a way equal. And so I cannot take this for granted. I appreciate both you consigning those intimate feelings with our audience here because you made the case, which is very encouraging to the younger people in our audience that you don't have to be the quarterback of the football team in your high school or to be the Eagle Scout or anything like that in order to feel like a leader. In fact, both of you talk about this notion of self-knowledge, of understanding who you are as a point of departure and eventually finding their way through life and eventually ending in leadership position. And Betsy, you work with some of the top leaders in the field, both in the government and in the business world. If you had the magic wand and you could develop a leader, what experiences you would take them through in order to optimize or maximize their chance to end up being a leader? What would that be? Leadership is really when you fully step into who you are. Like, you know, when we talked about the Jack Welsh theory, right? Because, you know, in the 80s, wow, everyone wanted just to be Jack Welsh. And now every article about him is like, that is the worst kind of leadership for today. He took us down a road of only care about shareholder value, which we're still digging our way out of and doesn't work anymore important, but you get shareholder value coming out from a whole different way, which is your people. And so, you know, I think the most important thing is how do you help people to step into who they really are? You know, that's the authenticity part of leadership development, right? So you get what gets you to you. So many people spend their whole life trying to be somebody else because their mom thought they should get an accounting degree or, you know, society says they should be like this or whatever ideas they have in their head, but who are you really? And what's the gift that you're adding to the world? And then in leadership training, it's so important to be like, well, what's keeping you from you? What are the behaviors? I call them the sticky floor behaviors. And my friend, Rebecca Shambaugh, wrote a book for women's leadership, but it applies to everyone. It's not about the glass ceiling, it's the sticky floor. So what are the behaviors that you're doing that keep your feet stuck to the floor? And so many people are operating unconsciously, showing up in the workplace in ways that actually sabotage their most success. I mean, my friend Christine Parath wrote a book about leadership and incivility. And her research is amazing because she talks about how today's world, the number one issue that will blow up an executive's career is abrasive and bullying behaviors. And so, so many leaders like do realize that that isn't effective anymore. So in teaching of leadership, I think what's so important is what gets you to you? You know, who are you? And what gives you energy? And then what keeps you from you so that you can step in to fully be your full human being and be in the place in the world that is best for you. What about you, David? 
as you say, you didn't start as a leader or even with a desire to become a corporate leader. What are some of the experiences you went through that you think were formative in a sense that pushed you, accelerated you through that path? I strongly believe in evolution. And I think that it's a collective set of experiences where you find yourself in a situation where you don't have necessarily the authority to lead that effort. But since there is no one else, you step up and you start rallying up everyone. You start leading people without having the authority, getting that experience of reaching out to people and saying, look, this is the problem. There's no one here that will tell us how to solve it. Let's work together and let's do this. You evolve into that. And when it works well, you decide, hey, I'm going to try it again because I really like that. I see the result and you evolve into it. And then somebody recognizes that behavior and it becomes official, you get promoted. To me, that's the proper way of elevating people and giving them an increasingly more authority. Unfortunately, in many corporate environments, people make the mistake of, you know, if you're good at what you do, then you need to get promoted and lead a bunch of people that do the same thing. And that often is a big mistake because there's a lot of professionals that are not interested in managing people, are not interested in telling people how to do. They know how to do the work. They do it better than anyone else. But once they need to explain it to somebody or lead somebody, they become impatient. They become a micromanager. Do it my way because I've done it really, really well before. And that creates a backlash and fortunately a problem where you end up losing good people because you promoted them thinking that, hey, they're so good. Let's give them that position of authority, hoping they will be able to bestow their goodness on a number of people. So to me, that's the wrong way of doing that. My good friend, Aaron Ain, explained to me that it's now UKG used to be Kronos. You could get promoted and make more money without leading people. There is a career path where you remain an individual contributor, but they expand your title and your compensation based on the fact that you are better at what you do over time without having to manage people. That's how Kronos, UKG, is dealing with the fact that promotion is not for everyone, leadership is not for everyone. In many cases, it backfired if you select the wrong people to promote. I like this notion, absolutely. The mistakes of just assuming that everybody has people leadership skills because they are good at what they do is the classic mistakes. I like the fact that both you, David and Betsy, have defined basically leadership almost outside of the followership, outside of the unique followers. As you say in your own example, you work on a project and suddenly you say you take the initiative. You are a leader without the authority. And you call that, Betsy, the leader of you, I think. Yeah, the leader like of you. That. <laughs> yes. So the, the, this notion is really powerful because for most people, indeed, leadership is leading other people that are followers. But you're making the point that, no, the best school of leadership is when you actually take an initiative and you lead with your idea, your actions, etc. And then people around you, your team follows you along that path naturally. You have no supervisory authority on that. Is that an important factor for people to take those initiatives or to look for opportunities to take those initiatives in order to follow a leadership path? Yes, but consciously. So what I mean by that is that you have to be aware of what your environment is, who in order to get this project done or what matters to you, 
how does it fit into the broader goals of the organization? Who do you need to talk to? Who do you need to collaborate with? I think sometimes people just, they just go forward with excitement, but there's another piece to it, which is how do I be strategic wherever I am? I would say the leader of you is understanding that I took this role in this organization. So how do I be effective? And followership is, that's tapping into the heart aspect of leadership, right? Is that your followers put the passion into your purpose. And they do that by feeling included and heard and acknowledged and cared about and listened to, right? And so by getting people to come along with you as your initiative is tapping into that heart part. Leadership today is a fully integrated person. You might have the greatest idea in the world and all the great data and facts, but if people aren't interested in coming along, you'd be a one-man person and leadership is a team sport. 